today we're going to do something a little different. Often we try to turn a concept around a bit and walk through what it means and how it matters. But today's topic, our biggest faults. Oh yeah, it's just a big old grocery list of the places where we each personally know we could use a little work. Wait, you mean we're not perfect? Uh, Okay, let's get started. It's going to be a long list. The Speakeasy Podcast. Honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business? We probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. Yeah, so speaking of not perfect, this drink is called the Spagliato, which in Italian means mistake. So the legend has it, a bartender grabbed sparkling wine instead of gin as he was making this cocktail. And so this mistake, which is kind of a nice metaphor for faults, was born, and it's a beautiful drink. It's a really beautiful drink. It's ruby in color. It has um, Prosecco, sweet vermouth, some Campari and club soda, and a really cute little lime wheel on top. And we've had Campari before, and Karen, you said you're not usually a Campari fan, but you're liking this drink quite a bit. Well, it's a little bitter, right? And so, I mean, I'm not opposed to strong taste. I like I like stinky cheese. I like hoppy beer. So it would stand to reason that I like Campari, but when it's too heavy on the Campari, I feel like I'm, I'm um, you know, sipping like acetone or something. That's true. <laughs> well, bitter is an interesting metaphor because it's, it, um, we looked at this topic that we had planned for and went, why do we want to talk about that? Who wants to talk about their own faults? I mean, we're all about pulling back the curtain on stuff, you know, but sheesh, this one's personal. <laughs> oh, goodness. Is this like that interview question that you ask? What's your what's your uh, biggest weakness or whatever? Oh, right. When you're hiring people and then the, the, the bright answer is always like, well, my greatest weakness is also my greatest strength. I just pour everything into my job that, you know, that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like that. I don't have the good um, pat answers for this, though, either. I haven't interviewed for a job in a minute. I haven't either. Oh, oh we that's inter- false. We, we interview, interview all, all the time. time. <laughs> Every new client. I heard, oh, um, I heard another agency owner say a few weeks back, it's not a good week until you've gotten two new clients. And I thought, oh, that's exactly how it feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. Life's an audition between <laughs> nine and five. Oh, gosh. So, so I don't think we have any... Um, significant story arc to this one, just what we know we do wrong or could do better. So the last episode of 2018 was about letting go. And one of the things that I pledged to let go was perfectionism. So it's something I've grappled with for most of, for all of my life, not just as an adult. Um, And I think I've done pretty well so far this year. It's certainly not broken up. I blame 13 years of gymnastics on my desire to have perfect things and be perfect and present perfect. But so uh, this this episode is definitely not me being perfect. <laughs> um, and I think I've broken up my perfectionism conversation a lot. It's in the quiet times or the times where I am not trusting my instinct or when I'm concerned about something that my internal dialogue, the perfectionism kind of seeps in. It, it's a little um, loathing. It's not It's not a positive voice, <laughs> let's just say. <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell one on myself. I still have that conversation, but it's I'm growing out of it. Maybe I'll grow out of it one day fully. At least you recognize that it's there. Yeah. Yeah. I think half of that is recognizing what you have and what's going on. And in the same vein, I've talked about a little bit on podcast episodes. I really don't like asking for help. Mm -hmm. I don't like asking other experts for their opinions, with certain exceptions. I will always ask my accountant for his opinion. But I know it is a huge fault. If I were to open up and ask people for help or 
admit it when I don't know something instead of trying to, you know, act cool like I don't know, which we've been working on, I think, through the podcast. Yeah. But it's a terrible fault. It really wastes my time. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Um, the one, I don't know if you're, there's one that you're working on in particular right now. My faults? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've gotten to the point that I don't care that I have them and I don't really want to work on them, <laughs> which might be a fault. <laughs> I can't decide. Maybe that's part of just your brilliance. Perhaps. No, I, you know, it's, I think it's just in the past year or so that I've really gone from realizing, and we talked about this in a previous episode, but it's still a, a challenge for me, being able to say, I have no idea what you're talking about, explain it to me, mm-hmm. and, and not pretending to have some form of knowledge. It's a constant practice for me. Yeah. It, I wonder if there's a way that you can speak um, where you say something like, tell me more about that, rather than, I don't know. <laughs> oh. You know, the other thing that is um, a fault of mine right now, or, or, or something for sure that's an area of, of improvement, is just managing my well-being. We've often joked that work-life balance doesn't exist, and I think we both are, still feel like th- that it really doesn't exist. But um, just manage, like really owning my well-being, and I, I'm, I think I'm finding in, in midlife that that the equilibrium is more easily thrown off than maybe, yeah. um, you know, a fall when you're a kid, you're made of rubber. You know, a proverbial fall when you're in midlife is is different. Yeah. So just managing my well-being, trying and, to eat a little bit better and, and work out a little bit more. Well, and we know it. We know, and we've talked about it before, we know it's important. And we know that's something we shouldn't put off. But at the end of the day, when a million other things are asking for your attention, what yep. is the first thing that goes in your life? Me. Yeah. And I absolutely understand that knowing and doing are very different things. And so it's just a matter of doing right. and really making the doing a priority. What I think is interesting about this one, though, is, again, we live in this culture of perception. Of course, we know what we should be doing. Of course, we see it on Instagram and in 8,000 places. And so we feel that guilt like we're doing something wrong or like it's a fault instead of giving ourselves a minute and understanding Um if we look at it in a longer view, you might be giving up on it for a few weeks, but not long term. No. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like our episode on seasons of change. Like, there's <laughs> just, you know, we're just in whatever place that we're in, but it's also giving yourself the grace to understand exactly where that is. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> okay, Jen, so do you have a distinction between fault versus area of improvement since you have already admitted that you really don't care if you have faults? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because, and it's all really wrapped up in one, and if I were really to analyze it, I could probably categorize this better, but, but there's there's two things that I have that I, I know are problems. And number one is a significant assumption that I'm smarter than most people and that the people that I choose to align with are also smarter than most people. So I walk through the world thinking that my tribe is the very smart people and everyone else is a bunch of idiots. I can align with that assumption. <laughs> and so, you know, I get very short of patience. Um, and so that is a that is a default assumption, which probably relates to not wanting to ask for help, that I know I've got to work on. Um, I'm pretty smart. I mean, IQ tests and everything back when I was 10 said so. Yeah. So Evidence. I have evidence for my brilliance. So this comes from an honest place. Um, but I maybe could work on <laughs> being a little more open-minded to other people's brilliance as well. 
And then the other That's one. So well said. <laughs> there we go. Open minded to other people's brilliance. And the other one, which is um, a fault or an area of improvement or just a quirky habit, I suppose, is I'm ridiculously optimistic in a way that I feel like everything can be solved and saved. And like, it's this weird. I can't get rid of a plant at home if it even has a breath of life in it because I feel like I can probably bring it back, right? Yeah. Or um, why would I get rid of that piece of scrap metal when I know I could weld it into something someday? I feel like I'm that way with people. Yeah, I'm very much that way with people too. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, is that called, is that optimism or is that foolhardiness? I'm not sure. Yes, I have often I've often wondered what in relationships when I when I see something turning or if I see that or if I'm experiencing that somebody has done me wrong. I've I've often wondered whether it, like am I naive? Yeah. Or is it just that I I give trust because I'm trustworthy? Yeah. And then I'm surprised when that's been smacked. And you suddenly look back and it's been weeks or years or whatever that you've been trusting and hopeful and you should have just cut bait a long time ago yeah and what is that trait fault <laughs> what is foolhardiness i don't know i don't know but i but too much trust going back to the interview question it's a it's an area that is very charming and serves you Right. But also kind of doesn't serve you sometimes. Right. It serves, so, I mean, I don't know. It serves you until it has started to waste your time and erode your ability to do things, and then it doesn't serve you anymore. And it's really hard for me to see that line. Yeah. Yeah. When so, you cross that line. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's not like the slippery slope. It's like, oh, how did right. I get here? And I do find that, that I have people who I'm close to in my life who have seen when I cross the line well before I see that I've crossed, crossed the line, and they're like flagging me down. I'm like, no, it's going to be great. Don't worry. I got this. We're good. And they're all waving at me like, there's a cliff. Stop. Stop moving. I just smile and keep going. And that's probably a bad one. Yeah. Or like, I just had this image of Charlie Brown where Lucy always holds the football. <laughs> Sometimes I'm Charlie Brown. And then it's like, Lucy, for God's sakes, again? Right. You think that Lucy eventually is going to have a moment of lucidity, right? Or something. Yeah. Poor Charlie Brown. Oh, you know, well, we do have one one trait when we were thinking through this that we um, both share. Um, for sure. For sure. And um, an utter lack of patience. Yeah. And so here's my, yes, and we've talked about this time and time again. And in fact, we have a whole episode on impatience being a virtue. However, I really still feel that way. So when you look at all of your faults, I think it's a it's a matter of assessing, you know, does it serve you? I, I think it's absolutely worth assessing your faults. I'm not I'm not poking too much fun at that, but I'm not giving up my impatience. I feel like it has me win more than it has me lose. What does it do to the people around you? Well, I think the the people who are the closest around closest to me around me uh, are either on board or or temperate, right? You thought you were saying, on board, I will shove them aside as I go. <laughs> They're either on the bus or I'm running them over. And this, dear listeners, is her problem. <laughs> I'm more brilliant than everyone, and she's running them over with a bus. <laughs> the end. Send help. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Um, oh, goodness. But I get it because do you ever have this thing where you are in a conversation with someone who's a somewhat slow talker and you're like in your head going, hurry, 
the fuck up with your thoughts. Because it would be rude to finish their sentence for them. <laughs> right. And rudeness is not one of my faults. No, of course not. You're very polite. It's true. Um, so, yeah, so you have this problem where you're a little bit impatient and you're very, very smart. So you know what they're going to say and you know what the next 10 minutes is going to bring. So you prefer to just skip to the end of that 10 minutes and get on with things, right? Yeah. And I think you and I share that trait. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> it does serve us. I have I have looked at it. And it serves me, it wins me more than it loses. And I apologize publicly for all the times where I've stepped in it because of my impatience, but not letting go of it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. It's like, yeah, I know what my faults are and I like them. They help me out. I think for me, considering your biggest faults allows you really to assess that area of improvement because that's actually where the the good work and the productive and fruitful work lives is being able to assess really the other side of this conversation. And so... If you take stock of your biggest assets, again, what serves you, what's holding you back, that's where the discovery really is. It's easy for successful people. I think it's easy for people in leadership, and I think it's easy for experts to forget really where your gifts and talents lie because we're so used to them. We take ourselves for granted. We take our uniqueness for granted. Perhaps. So when you're taking stock of things, if you forget what skills and gifts that you do have— that that are unique to you, then you're stepping over even acknowledging your value. That is true. And it's it's like if you know the places where you're going to stumble and you know the places where you're going to excel, you can sort of strategize your path, right? Yeah. And, and know, okay, I know that I'm impatient sometimes and I want to run people over the bus. But on the flip side, I can use that energy to help a client solve a problem very quickly. Mm-hmm. So looking at the opposite end of it and, and what is your value, what value do you bring to the table, um, does feel a lot nicer than looking at faults. Well, and I think if I, if I can analyze my faults, for example, if impatience is one of my biggest faults, I happen to be married to the most patient man in the world that I've ever met. And so for those reasons, and, and if you took that into the professional setting, you know, you look at the things where you're quite expert and you round out your business with the areas where you aren't as strong. That's true. And so I would rather um, work on building my greatest strengths to really build that muscle as robustly as I can, then work on fixing things that I like I'm never going to be left handed. Right? right. So so similarly, if you look at faults through that way, you're just ne- I'm never going to knit. I, I'm never going to knit. I tried it really hard for a long time and I'm just never going to knit. And I'm OK with that. And you're all right with that. And so there are other skills I also won't develop like patience. Have you ever done Strengths Finder? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a really good. It is a good way to look at things because acknowledging the fact that there are places that know that you're never going to excel. So why put too much energy into a space where you could only get to passable when you could be putting your energy into the things you do really well? Yeah. Um, but I think you, there that comes with an acknowledgement that I'm not good at thing X. Yeah. So I appreciate a person over here who is good at thing X. Yeah. And I think when you take stock of your faults and you can be really honest about them. And then you round out your team or your tribe or whatever with people who do embody the things that you do not. It just makes you so much appreciate them in such a different way. Sure. And it gives everybody a space to shine, right? So oh, yeah. if you're good at something and it's not what I'm good at, then you get you get to be great there and you get all the attention, all the sunlight in that space, which is important for people to, you know, have a space to themselves where they can really show their best traits. So it, it's okay to have faults as long as you acknowledge them and use them to your advantage. The end. The end. And if a fault means 
that I got Prosecco in this drink rather than gin. I do love gin, but I'm a big Prosecco fan. So whatever fault or mistake or accident made this drink happen, it sure was a success in the end. You know what I really want to hear about besides crazy tales about mistakes in cocktailing is I want to hear about our listeners' greatest faults. I want to hear if anything resonated or if digging into your faults allows you to uncover something shiny (laughs) that you had forgotten about. That would be a lot of fun. So if you guys have one that you're willing to admit, let us know. Where can they find us, Jen? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Easy Underground or on our website, thespeakeasypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Both of our industries are constantly evolving. Tools of the trade, tactics, distribution methodologies. And as you become more expert in your field, it's easy to lean on your tried and true methods to get shit done. The question becomes, how do I stay relevant as my career and my industry evolve? And that's what we're talking about next time. <laughs>